Hey guys, this is Mike Mahaffey, the old bastard BJJ guy, here for BJJ Mental Models. Back in my day, we had to walk uphill in the snow both ways to get to the academy just to learn some crappy technique from a random purple belt. You kids have it so easy, because now you can just subscribe to BJJ Mental Models Premium and get tons of great audio courses to learn new techniques, enhance your mindset, and entertain yourself. You can even get personalized rolling reviews from some of your favorite BJJ Mental Models coaches, including me. It's like having your own seminar, you spoiled little whippersnappers. So what are you waiting for? Subscribe to BJJ Mental Models Premium right now, get off my lawn, and go train. Hey, welcome to BJJ Mental Models, episode 161. I'm Steve Kwan. BJJ Mental Models is your guide to a conceptual and intelligent jiu-jitsu approach. And today, it is truly my pleasure to be joined by a living legend, Mr. Shanjay Hibero. Shanjay, how are you doing? Oh man, I'm doing outstanding. Christmas time is always that time that we, we try to be good for Santa Claus, <laughs> right? Yeah. So, you know... Just uh, wrapping up the year and, uh, you know, having a pleasure to come and speak with you guys. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, yeah, Christmas time is always a special time of year for me personally. My daughter is, uh, she's four years old now, so she's of the age where she now understands that this is a big fun event for kids. And so she's mm-hmm. getting super excited every day I wake up and she says, Dad, it's it's only two more days to Christmas. So uh, it's a countdown. <laughs> yeah, she's got a countdown. It's a good way to teach kids math, I guess, is how many days yeah. left till Christmas. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I am so glad to have you here. I had recently pinged out to a bunch of our listeners to ask about some concepts to talk about. And something that I'd been asked to discuss was this idea of pressure in jiu-jitsu, which I understand is, of course, a very, very big and broad concept. But some people specifically mentioned that Shanjay Hibero would be a great guest to discuss this topic on. So, Shanjay, with that said... Maybe before we dig in, I don't know if it's really necessary to give you an introduction. I'm sure most of our listeners know who you are, but just in case, do you want to just run down your your resume and just tell everyone what you're all about? Well, my name is Alexandre Ribeiro. I'm from Brazil. I'm known on the community as Shanji, not Zandi, not Janji, but Shanji. You know, I'm 40 years old and I'm from Manaus, Brazil. I've been in the United States for about 20 years. I'm recently founding or, you know, the, the Six Blades Jiu-Jitsu team. I live right now in Austin, Texas, you know, just, uh, just living the dream, you know, just teaching Jiu-Jitsu and being happy. <laughs> that is fantastic, man. Well, as someone who has been inspired by your work since I was a white belt, it is awesome to get a chance to finally chat with you. And something I would love to dig into here is I'd love to better understand and help our listeners better understand how pressure really works in jujitsu. I think that sometimes people get confused about pressure and weight. People often mm-hmm. think that pressure is a big guy thing. I mean, I remember when I started out in jujitsu, I saw all of these gigantic black belts say, you know, pressure, pressure, pressure. And at the time I thought, ah, that's for the big guys. And I'm, you know, I'm a smaller guy. So I didn't think this would be ever something that would apply to me. But as I get older, I realize that pressure is not just about being a big fat dude. 
you know, pressure is a strategy and it's about being efficient and mm-hmm. even small, older, slower people can, can use pressure games effectively. And in fact, I would argue that if you're a smaller person, you should use a pressure game because it's just so much more efficient. So with that said, I'd love to maybe hand this over to you and get your thoughts on the situation. Well, if you're the smaller person, pressure is the only thing you can use, really, you know what I mean? Because it's gravity, you know? Well, let let me start in the beginning. So everything in Jiu-Jitsu is about pressure, right? You can talk about kinetic pressure, you know, when a guy has isometric strength. You can talk about, like, I call elastic pressure, you know, the one that, like, you know, you push and pull the tension, yeah, right? Tension is always pressure, therefore energy is also pressure, you know, everything in jiu-jitsu is about pushing and pulling and pressure certain points to create some sort of reaction, right, or, or, or things like that. But in the more specific way, I guess, let's talk about top pressure, right? When I say it's the only thing you can use, it's because if you don't use pressure, you're not using the elements as gravity and weight, you know? I think that's very important that people understand that pressure uh, mostly is not about strength. It's about, I would say, three things. about intention, direction, and positioning. You know what I mean? So what I mean intention? Intention means you really want, right? You want to, we, we have a saying, we like to appropriate from people's soul. You know, like I really want my presence. I really want my whole body, my whole volume on the top of you, right? Or maybe not on the top, but in the place that really matters, right? So therefore, we come, that's intention. I have the intention to be present. I have intention to to lower my gravity, to lower my weight. I don't have to be in posture. I just put that forward. So the second thing is the, is the direction you're going, right? So, and the thing about pressure, if you move an inch to the right, an inch to the left, that the energy can go away. And the sensation of pressure can go away, right? And the third one would be positioning, you know, be able to position your body in the right spot after you find the direction, you know? And also we need to understand that pressure is, is something relative. You know, some people, they deal with pressure really good. And I think the reason that we are, we from Six Blades and Hiberu Jitsu, we can talk about that really good because Saulo pressure game is second to none. You know, he's about 190 pounds. That was where he competed at. 194, about 85 kilos. And the thing about him, man, once he found his position on you, you could not move that guy, you know. That was, you can maybe move him, but he moves connected, you know. And that's another thing that that people need to understand that sometimes the pressure is not just about constant, you know. It's about knowing what to relax, you know. I remember. I don't know if you ever heard about how people call uh, Roger the wet blanket. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right? Have you ever heard this expression? I believe I have, yes. Yeah, so it's not about just like one specific point. Like a basic example, right? I get into your half guard and I have an underhook and you push my neck, right? I can move away from that pressure, but I can put the pressure on my hip, right? So, and then once you move your hip, I can turn my shoulder. So there's always this constant variables 
that that consists in pressure. You know, and, and I think if you are a jiu-jitsu top player and you don't play pressure, you're really, really losing the idea, right? The concept of using gravity in your behalf. You know, I see a lot of guys uh, nowadays, a lot of a lot of grips, a lot of speed, you know what I mean? And, and it's almost reckless, you know? A lot of guys, they, they're able to pass guard, but they're not able to stay with the guard passed. Yes. Well, when they do that, it's more of a pin than a control. You know, I understand like judo, for example, right? You go, I tell this a lot to my students. The difference between jiu-jitsu and judo is pretty much on the pins, right? You go into a kezakatami position. Now you hold with the dear life for 20 seconds and you win. But in jiu-jitsu, if you hold for a dear life for 20 seconds, you get punished. Yes. So, so how can I use, distribute my weight in a form that my relative weight becomes greater? You know, like I'm 200 pounds and maybe, you know, I'll turn into a 400 pound person and, 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 and so forth. And I think that's, that's what's the main thing that I feel that's missing a lot in jiu-jitsu that people don't really teach too much the positions, you know, how to stay heavy in positions, you know, how to, how to distribute your way, how to make the proper changes between one immobilization and another. You know what I mean? And it, that's where it goes, you know. Like I said, it's it's not just one element, you know. There's there's various elements. And the main thing of all, not too many people can deal with pressure. You know what I mean? Not too many people yeah. are 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 able to become diamonds, you know. And it's also is a is a slow and you mentioned like like slow older guys, especially those guys. They should for sure use pressure 100% of the time. Yeah. You know, just make yourself present, drive your way forward, understand the, the changes and where to position yourself and the jiu-jitsu becomes uh, much easier along the time. Yeah, my instructor, Don Whitefield, is, uh, I believe he's a three-stripe black belt and he's not a huge guy. He's about 180 pounds, I would say, maybe 170. And when I first started to understand how pressure really worked is when I started sparring with him, when I switched to the gym I'm at now, because before I really fought against uh, any pressure players, I thought pressure was just weight. You know, I remember watching early day UFC and seeing Hoist Gracie sit on people. And of course, I didn't know anything about jujitsu. So I thought, well, it's just sitting on people. I can do that. And I, I always used to thought in the early days that it was just about being heavy and flat. Mm -hmm. And when I started facing people who were really good pressure players, I realized it's more than that. You don't have to be that heavy. It's about, like you said, it's about the angle. It's about the direction that totally changes the game. The example I often give to people is think about how a kickstand works on a motorcycle. A motorcycle is very, very, very heavy. But if you get the kickstand at just the right angle, an entire motorcycle can be held up by this tiny little piece of metal. But if the motorcycle changes the angle just a little bit, then the kickstand is going to collapse and the bike's going to fall over uh -huh. and and. Pressure is very much the same in jiu-jitsu where it's not just about being a just lying flat and distributing your weight on top of people. It's about cutting angles, having the right direction, having the right position. And like you said, also switching up between being tense and being loose at the right moment. It's it's almost its own art form in and of itself. Oh, it is. It is, you know, and, 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 and it's understanding that that changing it's not bad, you know, it's important to learn 
how to change from position one to position two, because if you apply pressure in only one spot and then, you know, and then the person's moving, that relation between the floor, yourself and the other body, people's body has changed, you know? So it's this constant change of energy, you know, that, that makes the whole magic of pressure, you know? I usually tell people that stillness is the most chaotic form of movement, you know? Mm -hmm. Try to just sit down in says a position, close your eyes for five minutes, you know what I mean? Your thoughts, your heart, your breath, everything just goes out of control because stillness is, is something that they, it, it moves a lot of energy, you know what I mean? Believe it or not. So when you're on the top of someone, you know, you understand that it's not about moving a lot. It's about moving properly. You know, they move, you adjust. They move, you adjust. They can move their hips. They can move their shoulders. They can bump, right? They can muscle you, you know? So there's all of those things that, that makes a lot of difference. And the best way to do it is to actually practice being those positions for as long as you can. Like, you know, a lot of people, hey, can you teach me, for example, a position that I've known, I'm known for have really good position uh, is the mouth position, right? And I tell guys, guys, I can teach you three, four, five techniques, you know, that matches the movement, right? Okay, the guy moves right, okay? I go technical mount. The guy, you know, tried to to bump and then I, I can do a grapevine and things like this. But everything in between this, this movement is where lies the secret because you need to look for that position. You need to constantly be looking for the mount position. You need to spend hours and hours and hours in that position, you know? And, and I think the best way to do it many times is it's just train with like lower rank people, you know, maybe not like a spazzy white belt, but like the white belt, they kind of knows what they're doing so they can frame you, they can push you and teach you how to move. You know, I see a lot of people in tournaments when movement happens, their first reaction is become kinetic, you know, like isometric. And they like, you know, you see like people moving and like, it, it seems like the guy wants to glue himself on the ground. Yeah. And now it just uses strength. But a lot of times pressure is about moving as well. You know what I mean? Like the person is like this. You are a piece of bread. The floor is the bread. And the person underneath of you is the burger. You know what I mean? You need to keep moving. You know, you need to keep adjusting, you know. And sometimes they feel, oh, man, there's a lot of pressure on my legs. Oh, shit, there's a lot of pressure on my chest. Oh, there's a lot of pressure on my arm. You know, so that, that changes a lot. You know, once I, once, you know, I kind of realized, I think it maybe I was like a brown belt. That's when I realized the import of pressure. Yes. Because, you know, because like the Jiu-Jitsu University book, you know, if you guys haven't, haven't read that, the part that talks about passing is, is brown belt. So you go through everything in life, right? You were white belt. You survive a lot, you know, you're a blue belt. Now you're able to escape stuff. And then you are purple belt. You become guard development, right? Now you are brown belt. Now you're on the top, right? What are you going to do? Run away from it? No, you're going to stay under pressure. And I think that's where I start to steal people's soul. You know, that's like a saying that we have, you know, that's when I, when Saul, I came in, got to put your presence, you know, you got to put your face near their face. 
you know, and, and I think in more in a practical, like more of like a very, very, very practical situation. I love when I'm fighting and the only thing the guy on the board is doing is pushing me. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because when you put pressure, imagine like this. We're in a ring and I put you in a corner, right? You can only move left or right. You know what I mean? And of course, you can move towards me, but then you're going to be riding to my weapon. You know what I mean? So, so I think that's how I, that's how I like to think about when I'm pressure someone, you know, I corner him on the right, I corner him on the left, I corner him on the right, corner him on the right, left. Now the only thing he can do is to push. And believe me, I've fought many people. I've watched people doing conditioning. They push 400 pounds. They do all that strength, man. But I'll tell you something, 15 seconds, 15 seconds of proper pressure will crumble a lot of men, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and it's just beautiful when you see the crumbling, you know? Now their movement is is off. And then they, you see that their push is not so strong, you know? And then you can, like, maybe grab a lapel and they're pushing their chest. And now there's weight, there's pressure, and you barely use your grips, you know? And I think that's when you find, find that tune, that's when you feel that, like, man, my body's really a weapon, you know? I'm 150 pounds, but if I'm resilient and persistent into being present and have the right intention, you know, I think any small guy can smash a big guy. Yeah, yeah. It's funny you bring that up. One of my training partners is a little old dude. He's under five feet tall, I believe. He, he weighs maybe 110 pounds. I think he's over 65. I think he's a senior citizen, but he's a second degree black belt and he's a pressure player. And he looks like the, the tiniest, most harmless, most innocent old guy. But if he gets on top of you, it is going to be a bad day at the office because he can generate the kind of pressure that you would expect out of a person who weighs 300 pounds. And so whenever you're sparring with him, everyone knows just whatever you do, don't let this little guy get on top of you or you're going to be stuck there for the rest of the night. Yeah, yeah. Look at Marcelo Garcia, man. When yes. you look at Marcelo Garcia at the top of people, you know what I mean? It's like you move him around, but he's just floating, floating, floating. That's how I know people cannot push him anymore. You know, he yeah. was like the smallest, heaviest guy. And also look at Marcel Feitosa. You know, Marcel Feitosa from Gracie Barra, we, we used to call him the coin. You could not flip the guy. And he's like, <laughs> what, 160 pounds at the time, you know? And people say, man, there's a lot of pressure. Celso Vinicius, you know, there's a lot of guys like that, you know, Roger, Rodolfo, you know what I mean? It's just that constant forward intention. That's all. Yep. Just forward intention. With your body, with your chest, with your shoulder, with your jaw, with your temple, with your forehead, with your frames, everything. Mm -hmm. Your whole body is a weapon. Yeah. I love the point that you brought up about how pressure is about movement and reacting to your opponent and adjusting because that's I think a common misconception it's certainly a misconception I had and much like what you just said it wasn't until I got to around brown belt that I would say I really started to understand pressure I always used to think 
that pressure was about just being heavy and squishing the guy and holding on so tight that they just couldn't move. And, and like you said, you know, that means that you're generating, you know, a lot of tense pressure. You're holding on. You're, you're way too tense. That's what I used to think pressure was, squishing the person to the point where they couldn't even move. But I remember when I got to Brown Belt, my instructor had us all do a drill one day and he basically said, OK, I need you to mount your opponent. But instead of trying to squish them, try to ride them, try to just fly float on top of them and change angles mm-hmm. so that no matter what they do, it gets worse for them. And that was a real breakthrough moment for me because I realized that pressure wasn't about being tense. It's not about holding on for dear life. Like you said, it's not about that massive isometric force. It's about floating and responding. It's Mm -hmm. not about preventing your opponent from moving. Your opponent can still move in a lot of ways, but it's just about making sure that no matter how your opponent moves, you make it worse for them every single time. You just tighten the noose just a little bit every single time. Yeah, just make tighter and tighter and tighter. And I can know they're the one getting themselves in trouble. Mm. You know, like I said, man, like, you know, like I said, jujitsu is probably the only martial art but well, the only sport that the possibility of a small man be a big man exists. You know, if you look at judo, 20 pounds in judo, you're done, right? Mm-hmm. 20 pounds in wrestling, you're done. 20 pounds in Greco-Roman, you're done. 20 pounds in karate, you're probably done. Yeah. Jiu-Jitsu, you do have a chance, you know what I mean? To, to survive on the bottom and to make yourself valuable on the top. You know, and I and I tell a lot of adults, it's interesting because I was actually teaching today, like three kids, you know, a private lesson about pressure, you know, about like, hey, I'm going to put you guys in a position and of immobilization and I want you guys to understand. So I taught them and that's funny because I put them, they're all like struggling with each other, but they were rushing, you know, because I, I made them like, you know, go like a shihogatami position and to set up the mount, right? And I remember I said, okay, you guys get the mount now. And then one of the kids are like, just like moving a lot. And then he tried to mount and the kid could mount. And I explained to them, I say, look, you are right in a position of advantages, right? I want you to take your time. I said, why? I said, well, because can you see this bump? You're going to see that his bump and movement is going to become slow and weaker with time. You know what I mean? And they loved it because they, they would go to a position and I taught them how to put weight and I could see the kids just like flinch their faces, like they're like struggling and they're bumping, they're bumping, they're bumping like five, ten times, whatever, how many times. Next thing I know they can't bump anymore, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and then the other kids just boom, take them out, you know, and, and it, it's so important. You know, jujitsu, you know, in my opinion, again, it's such a young martial art in a form of understanding and studying things that matter in jiu-jitsu you know and one thing that people don't really talk a lot is emotional state all right like they talk about psychological and stuff like that but pressure pardon my my french it fucks your emotional you know what i mean like when you when you get someone and like because like this oh this guy's so strong okay right you can deal with that right you expect that but now you get a little guy. Oh, he's a little guy, but man, the guy can't get away from me. Oh man, I can't get this guy out of me. Man, <laughs> I'm feeling like in my, I mean, uh, like, like, you know, that crazy little, 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 how do you call it, that crazy thing that people like wrap their arms around it? Like 
you know the movies when the guy's like a, a maniac and they and they put the guy like oh like a straight jacket yes straight jacket yeah you know it turns into a straight jacket and and that messes with people emotionals a lot you know and that's when another concept taught by Saulo came around you know that he would say oh he broke right so that's mm-hmm. something that I never understood what that happened because I remember. He's telling me, he's talking about my jiu-jitsu people. Yeah, man, Shanji is hard to break. You know, I'm like, hard to break. I didn't understand what he mean by that. Now I do because I don't crumble under pressure. You know, I don't crumble under pressure. So, of course, there's training, there's, but my emotional state within the process of being pressured is way too comfortable even. You know what I mean? Even when Victor Hugo is like, exploding my head with pressure <laughs> i'm still composed you know i die with composure you know if that if that makes sense but that's what makes you know look at like 10 minute matches right if you get a good position now imagine if you can pressure someone with good technique good pressure good movement good connection for about a minute and a half let's just put that a minute and a half right mm-hmm. so that's what's how my math worked, right? When I competed, when I still compete, I think to myself, I have four minutes, four minutes to go somewhere, right? To get somewhere in the top that gives me advantage. And that happens so much, you know? And I would get to that position, right? Now, I would have another minute and a half to water this guy down until he breaks. So, I would say that 95% of my fights, they were done, the ones that I finished, of course, about the fifth and the eighth eighth minute, you know, because I play the strategy that no, of course, some if things would show up before that, you know, I'll capitalize also if, that's the, if the opportunities show up. But, and that's what happened because I knew by the fifth minute, everyone under me would be in scare mode. They would be in emergency mode. Now they're pushing. Now they're reckless. Now they give me space. I'm progressing the position, progressing the position. Next thing I know, I'm in the mount position. And now their energy level is almost zero. Their emotional stress is to the roof. You know what I mean? So that's, that's how we go, you know, because your emotional stress takes away a lot of your conditioning. Yeah. You know, it doesn't matter how conditioning you are. If you're not conditioned for everything that jiu-jitsu has to offer you, you can be in the gym 10 hours, lift your ways, you will break. You will break, certainly. Doesn't matter how athletic you are. If you cannot make that muscle that works, a bicep curl, to be efficient in jiu-jitsu and deal with the emotional stress that it is to be under a human being, you're going to fail. Absolutely. It has to work this way. Yeah. I love what you're bringing up here because I actually think this is the most important thing for the vast majority of jujitsu practitioners to learn. I mean, when I got into jujitsu, I got into jujitsu because I wanted to learn how to defend myself, right? I would venture to guess that that's probably the most common reason people get into jujitsu is Mm self-defense. The reality is I live a pretty boring life. I've never had to use jujitsu for self-defense, but what I have Mm -hmm. used jujitsu for is toughening my mindset and learning how to get comfortable in uncomfortable situations. And I would guess that for 99% of the people who train jujitsu, 
that's actually the most valuable thing they're going to get out of it. I mean, there's a lot of people, myself included, who train jujitsu a lot and never used it in, you know, a self-defense setting or even a competitive setting, but they use that, that mental toughness all the time on their day job in difficult situations. And that ability to, to get comfortable under pressure is in my opinion, the single most valuable thing that anyone can get out of jujitsu, regardless of whether you want to be a competitor or not. And that's actually one of the reasons why I recommend jujitsu to almost everybody, even if they have no interest in competing ever, it's still good to do just because it will teach you to survive pressure, which is an art in and of itself. Yeah, and not just that, you know, is be able to make proper decisions in a situation of stress. You know, we call like with me, Tim Kennedy, and we all the guy, we call this pressure testing. You know what I mean? It's beautiful to do a kata. It's beautiful to do drills. It's beautiful to know a technique. But can you respond to that during a stress situation? You know what I mean? I say, you know, sometimes I would rather you have a shitty technique with a not lot of confidence than a great technique with no confidence at all. Yes. You know, because that's what's going to make the difference you know, is how much you wanted, how much you were able to like make that decision, even, even to muscle, you know what I mean? To muscle out of something, it is a decision. You know, it is a decision maker. Say, okay, I'll muscle it all from here and I'll recover from it. And then here goes, boom, you muscle your way out of it. You know, now you're in a better position. Now you're in a position to recover and maybe win a fight, you know. And uh, even the self-defense part, you know, jiu-jitsu itself, if it's taught the right way, is already self-defense. The problem that I see is that people cannot take away sport from, from street. You know what I mean? The way you play guard, the way your awareness work, you know what I mean? Like just the way like you go. That's why sometimes with my students, I have them like, all right, guys, that's going to play guard today. The guy on the top can throw a couple smacks. You can see that right away they change their energy. Now they're a little more concerned. Now they're a little more, you know, they, they, they know how to grab a posture. They know how to block. They know how to do things like that. And I tell the guys, say, guys, you can do the exact same thing in jiu-jitsu sport. But the difference is when someone postures up, they're going to posture up to open the guard. In the street, they're going to posture up to try to punch you, to try to do whatever to you. You know, and I think uh, when it turns into self-defense, it's more bring playful ways to put the stress on them. And it's still safe. Yeah. You know, and, and you're going to see their jiu-jitsu... Like they're, I guess, I would call BJJ sport, right? Because BJJ sports just a, it's just a fraction of what jiu-jitsu is. And then you can do that, you know? And even, even when I watch like BJJ competitions, I see that people get themselves in bad position for the lack of awareness of what's happening, you know? And they let people control their bodies in certain ways that I believe if they would have like a self-defense mindset, that would never happen. Yeah, yeah. For example, a simple thing, right? The first concept of the diamond, right? The diamond concept, right? It's about distance. So I tell guys, put your hands in front of you and that's the start, right? I I usually tell people make the diamond and all that. But that's the number one. If someone's going to punch me, my hands are up, right? If someone, if I'm going to punch someone, my hands are up. And that's just natural, right? You can raise your hands, hey, man, I don't want any problem. 
your hands are still up. With that in mind, I'm protecting my face, I'm protecting my neck, I'm protecting my heart. So just to start on that, if someone's on the top of you and they can't control your neck, they can't control your shoulder, they can't control your heart, and they can't control your jaw, they can't control you. You know what I mean? Like they, they will not be able to control you. And now if I put my hand on your throat, for example, here goes. It's pressure from the bottom because now you're like, man, should I put more pressure and maybe hurt my neck? You know, and they move away. A lot of times I tell guys, I say, Shanji, how do you do this? I'm like, well, I put the hand in the collar. Oh, is that simple? Yeah, because if I put the hand in the collar, now the guy on the top feel pressure. Be like, whoa, if I put pressure here, this guy going to choke me. Now, therefore, they move away. If they move away, there's no more pressure. You know, there's movement. Of course, there's, I would say, there's more of like a movement pressure, you know, because when people move around you, it's also pressure. You know what I mean? But we're talking about that pressure, like that someone can't move. And you play the reverse, the reverse engineering of it. You know, when I'm on the top, everything that I want to do, I tell guys, put your essence in the guy's essence, meaning put your sternum on your opponent's sternum. That's what you want. You know what I mean? Now the heartbeat, the movement, everything is is locked, you know, and, and the only thing they can do is the strength. And the strength doesn't last too long, you know. What may last long is their resilience, you know. And then we can go to other various concepts within jiu-jitsu. Yeah, I love this idea of just resilience and confidence because th this is something that I was never taught when I started jujitsu. I always was just taught that, okay, here's a bunch of techniques. And if you do these techniques perfectly, then everything's going to work out properly. But I remember the first time we had a really high level wrestler visit our school. And this wrestler was only maybe a blue belt in jujitsu. But they whooped my ass because they just had so much confidence in what they were doing. And mm -hmm. even though their their techniques were not perfect from a jujitsu standpoint, they were constantly moving forward with pressure. And I just wasn't used to that. I was used to training with a bunch of relaxed jujitsu guys who will just, you know, fall back on their butt and let me play guard and do what I want. And that ability to have confidence in your own game and, and to have the confidence to move forward and keep moving forward is just so important in the in the jujitsu landscape so man I, I love that you brought that up that and yeah like you talked about if you're the person on top doing the attack eventually if you can take away enough of the person's options then you can force them into a situation of desperation where now they have to start relying on things like muscle and strength and that's what you want because that means like you said that means you started to break the person you've broken their composure and now you're starting to whittle away at their energy and their stamina and then before long you're going to be able to secure a good position, a pass or a submission. Mm -hmm. I remember, who is it? I, I think it was Fabio Gurgel did a tour seminar up here in Vancouver and was talking about this. And one of the things I remember him advocating for was when you pass someone's guard, don't make it too easy. You know, everyone's in a big rush to pass the guard and secure it. But he was talking about how sometimes you want to get 80% of the way there and then just hold the person in that position and make them to work, make them try to regard, make them think there's hope. And then 
take that away from them. <laughs> and I thought uh, that was such an interesting strategy because I was always taught, you know, go pass, get it done secure. But he was talking about how use pressure, get part of the way there, but leave enough of a window of hope that the other person starts burning and wasting energy and then just, mm-hmm. just close that door on them and just break their spirit. And I thought that was such an interesting psychological trick to play on someone when you're trying to pass their guard. Mm-hmm. That's correct. You know, even myself, you know, there's, there's always that little moment Almost like in a pause, you know, when you're passing, like, okay, I just passed this guy. Am I going to do it? And I'm not going to do it. You know what I mean? You give that little, that little extra push. And also, usually that's one concept that I tell my guys, you know what I mean? The whole flow pressure finish idea. Like, I see a lot of people, they muscle too early. You know what I mean? Yeah. Using strength is not a problem. You know what I mean? Like, the whole saying, you know, when push comes to shove, I'm the one shoved stronger, you know? So go to whatever you can, be as technical as possible, use all the concepts that you can. Once you find a stalemate, then you use your strength because your strength will be greater than the other guys because he's already tired, he's already fatigued, he's already emotionally broke, he's probably already thinking, shit, this guy already passed my guard, you know what I mean? And that's when you, when you do the rest of it, you know? Sometimes, like, even when I... When I, when I'm training, I just make myself heavy. You know, I don't really, sometimes I can see an option there. You know, I'll, 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 I, I, I liked what I call check corners. You know what I mean? All right. I'll put pressure. Let me go to the right to see what his reaction is. And I just feed to the right. Oh, that's the reaction. Now I think to the left. Oh, that the reaction. Now I think forward. Now that the reaction. Now I move away. Now that's the reaction. Now I can kind of map. And scan what's happening. You know what I mean? I say, okay, let me reverse that now, right? And you can kind of play with that. Let me go left. Let me go back. So I keep playing with all these just basic four angles, right? Back, forward, backwards, right, and left. You know? And I was like, okay, now I start to combine them. I go a little right and left. And that's it. I know you can see that their movement is start like not following. Yeah. You know, and I would say that half of the time I would just go forward and it's all crumbles. You know, it's so fun. You know what I mean? The side smash, it's, oh man, the side smash for me is, is the most, is the most amazing pass ever. <laughs> you know what I mean? Someone puts the shield on you, you're able to crumble that shield and just climb straight to the mount. You know, yeah. that's the most, I think it's the most pleasant way to really make someone feel like they're worthless you know <laughs> you know I, ju- I just love it you know like side smash you know i like all the old school passes you know all these stack passes you know they just they just mean you know they just feel good <laughs> knowing that they're also so efficient too which is the beauty of them right you can you can do most of those passes without ever even breaking a sweat which becomes very important as you get older as you you know you become more injury prone you have less energy you're fighting younger more athletic people if you can pass guard without even breaking a sweat it's just so efficient and that becomes increasingly important as you get older in your journey and, and that's what I see with this generation now. I think what's going to happen once they get older, they're going to have to relearn jujitsu. Yeah. Because they're so fast. You know, they're so fast and they're so strong that I, sometimes I think to myself, let me see if this guy drinks 10 beers, have a hungover, and go train next day, if they can actually do something. 
you know, because everything is strong grip, fast, 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 fast. And then once something happens, you know, they'll, they'll put some pressure out there. You know, it shouldn't even like uh, be a matter or a subject of saying that's like old man jiu-jitsu. That's like, no, this is just jiu-jitsu. You know, I think if it's a technique, it works. And it follow the procedures of, you know, the leverage, the momentum, the timing, the patient, I think is is any jiu-jitsu. You know, I keep looking at people promoting things like, oh, yeah, jiu-jitsu for old people. I'm like, <laughs> well, I don't think there's any jiu-jitsu for all the young people. For me, there's just jiu-jitsu, you know. Of course, like, you can't run, you know, like people run a lot of bullfighting nowadays. But I think... Back in the day, you know, I'll say like when jiu-jitsu was like, you know, something younger, there was only one way to do jiu-jitsu was to put pressure, you know, force half guard, go old school, maybe one or two booth passes, you know, and, and, and cross knees, you know. And I think that's where, where jiu-jitsu is, you know. I don't think there's such things as a jiu-jitsu for a bigger, smaller, or of course, let's let's open a parenthesis with like, you know, physical attributes, right? Some people are more mm -hmm. flexible, less flexible, right? But I think in general, the fun what's fundamental in jiu-jitsu is the equal for everyone. It doesn't matter if I'm 100 years old or I'm like 10 years old, right? So it's, it's a matter of a choice, right? So maybe I'm a 50-year-old guy that I want to move fast. Yeah, he'll move fast, but he knows if he's tired or if he wants to conserve energy that he can use the... The, the attributes of jiu-jitsu, positioning, gravity, weight distribution, connection, this is all there, you know? But I see a lot of the BJJ that's presented in competition, it's a lot of moving, it's a lot of pushing, moving, like, you know, argh, you know what I mean there? Because there's, in a way, competition is taking away the beauty of jiu-jitsu because the fact that you have to accomplish something in such a short time takes away the essence of jiu-jitsu. Do you know what I mean? I know exactly what you mean. And I, I've kind of felt the same thing too. You know, it's funny. Something that my instructor once told me was that when you're young and you've got a lot of cardio and you're fast and you're not worried about injuries, there's a lot of people at that point in their game who can use what I guess we could call modern jujitsu styles, where it's very speed based, timing based, reaction based. But as you get older, everyone is going to gravitate towards the traditional jujitsu because an arm bar is always going to work for everybody. A stack yeah. pass is always going to work. You don't need to be a peak athlete to do a stack pass or an arm bar. But a lot of the modern things that you see are, I would say that they're less about pressure and they're more about timing and, and speed and momentum. Mm -hmm. I actually find that sometimes watching modern young athletes in jiu-jitsu, it's more like watching boxing than it is like watching jiu-jitsu because the focus is not always pressure. The focus is timing and speed and reaction. And mm -hmm. I'm not going to say that doesn't work. Clearly it works because people win world championships with that. But you can't do that for the rest of your life. By the time you get to your mid-30s, if your game is speed-based, you're probably going to, like you said earlier, you're probably going to have to relearn jujitsu, And you will eventually come back to the fundamentals because they are timeless, right? 
Mm-hmm. They transcend physical attributes and they're always going to be there for you. Whereas, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, if you're 60 years old and you have a bad hip and a bad knee, I don't think you're going to be doing speed barambolos on people, right? I just don't think that's no. going to be what you do. You're going to be going in for knee cut passes and pressure passes and stack passes and the stuff that you learned in your first month. So I, I think that is interesting. I agree with you that sport has deviated. It's still clearly effective, but I would say oh, yeah, it's yeah, not timeless. Sure. It's not timeless no. in the I mean, you know, our mutual friend Rafael Lovato Jr. talks about the timelessness of jujitsu. And I would say that a lot of the things that are winning right now, they're, they're not timeless techniques. They're still effective, but perhaps mm-hmm. not timeless. No, not, not at all. And, and it's unfortunate that people just see competition, BJJ, as the, the great, you know, growl of jujitsu. You know, that's, yeah. that's what represents jujitsu. I tell guys, for example, all right, guys, you guys are in side control. What's the first thing that you got to think about? Oh, escape. No, it's survive. You know what I mean? Because who said you need to escape? First of all, right? I'm on the street, right? This guy, super heavy, is at the top of me, right? Mm-hmm. Am I going to escape right away? No, let me see if he actually opens a window for me to escape, right? And then I can use my technique. Like uh, when a big guy's on the top of you, right? Like, the technique will still work, but your intelligence to use the technique in the proper timing, that's what makes the difference. So when I train with Victor Hugo, for example, if he sides control me, I'm not moving. <laughs> you know, I'm going to just protect myself. You know, the guy's 300 pounds. I'm going to protect myself and I'm going to wait until he gives me something that I can use against him. Right? So if, for example, the guy, you know, gets me in half guard. And now he goes and super holds me and holds me as strong as his possible can be. And I can feel like his whole body shaking. Am I going to fight against that? No, I'm going to position myself and I'm going to wait until that energy goes away. Okay. Now, I'm on my Wednesday morning competition class, right? If Victor Hugo sides controls me, I'm going to do every single thing I can to get this guy out of me. You know what I mean? Because it's competition. I'm supposed to use strength. I'm supposed to use conditioning. I'm supposed to use everything to get out of there. You know what I mean? And that's the difference. And that's what people don't understand. You know? Like, okay, someone pass your guard. All right. Stay there. You know? Block the attacks, you know? And maybe the guy going to move and you and you go and you escape effortlessly. You know? And the game is still going. And you did a perfect position you didn't have to use the strength you didn't have to use like the dark side right you know the dark (laughs) side strength or flexibility you know what i mean you you use the technique and i think that's where i usually try to explain that to my students that the finesse in the essential part of jiu-jitsu there is no time there is not a time limit for you to escape something you know what i mean the only thing that has to happen when you're in a bad position is one, surviving, and two, not let the person progress. Right. If those two things does not happen, everything is fine because point system is just a fun way to play jiu-jitsu, but it's not what jiu-jitsu is. I see a lot of guys that go to a practice, passes the guard, takes the back, mount, pass the guard, sweep, right? They did everything that 
competition says is like, oh my goodness, this guy is amazing. And then what happened? The guy that gets the guard pass, the guard month, he goes to one position, finishes the guy. Who is more efficient in this point? Yeah. You know what I mean? And those are the things that you need to compare. I want to tell a story. So that's when I wanted to be like, man, my jiu-jitsu is not efficient, right? So brown belt, right? I was a brown belt competing worlds and I beat this guy 26 points, right? I scored 26 points in the competition, right? I'm like super stoked, right? Oh yeah, I scored 26 points. I'm like super happy. I'm like, you know, showing off that like, you know, I score all these points. <laughs> My brother looks at me, well, you just showed me that you can't finish anybody and you lose every single position in jiu-jitsu. <laughs> I got so disappointed, right? I got so sad at first, you know, like, what is this guy talking about? Like, I scored 26 points. Like, I was proud to have scored 26 points. And then he tells me, you say, look, if you're not good enough to finish the guy, okay, 20, it goes 26 points, right? So you probably pass, mount, and took his back. So that means you're not efficient in none of those positions because you should be able to finish him. I was like, he's right. You know what I mean? He's totally right. Yeah, the only way you can get that many points is if you lost positions and then had to fight to get them back again, right? <laughs> exactly. You know what I mean? And then they just, like I said, it's just show that you can't keep anything in life. You know, you keep climbing the mountain, you fall from the mountain. You climb the mountain, you fall from the mountain. You know, so, and that's where I try to explain my guys. I say, the ultimate thing about Jiu-Jitsu is one, is one, surviving. Two, finish. Everything in between you're surviving and you're finishing, it's just playful games. You know, it's just playful games. But again, just making clear, we're talking about romantic aspect of jiu-jitsu, right? Of course, you want to have a good guard. Of course, you want to have good passing. But if you really master surviving, and if you really master be able to finish people, you're going to gain all of this in between. You know what I mean? Because for you to finish someone, you either have to be good at like catching people or good at some sort of position, right? So you can't just catch people, you know? And, and, and I think that's how it goes, you know? And also, speaking on pressure again, it's like when you're a guy that is on the top and you like to put pressure, you like to get the mount, you get everything, you got all the benefits, you know? You don't waste so much energy, you're more efficient with your, with your body. You know, the other guy wastes way more energy than you. And you just have to gain, you know. So if you do not use pressure, you're losing a lot, you know. Yeah. And, and also, if you think that scoring medium points is, is the best thing in jiu-jitsu, no, it is not. Again, just show that you're inefficient with your finishes. Yeah, I, I know where you're coming from here. I mean, I'm not going to begrudge anyone for doing what they have to do to win in a competition. Oh, yes, yes, definitely. Look, look, again, Steve, we're not, we're not depreciating what people do to win, right? Yeah. Because it's winning, right? It's a competition. You got to do what you got to do, right? What we're talking about for our listeners to understand is that we're talking in like 
a very like uh how would i say i like the way you described it as romantic like the romantic, romantic idea of yeah, the idealized version yeah. of jiu-jitsu the idealized version of jiu-jitsu yeah. versus what people do in competition yeah and i do think it's important to be in tune with that romantic version of jiu-jitsu because my belief is that probably 90 to 95 percent of people who train they train not because of the competitive scene but they train because of that romantic aspect. And even the people who are competitors, they will eventually retire and come back to that romantic mm. aspect of jujitsu. So I sort of see that as the the beating heart of jujitsu, right? The philosophy of it. Uh -huh. The place I first saw it was, of course, Jujitsu University, one of the only jujitsu books that I would still to this day recommend without hesitation, because most of the old school jujitsu books, you could argue they're, they're out of date. There's better ways to teach now. But I believe that Jujitsu University is timeless. And the reason why is because, in my opinion, it is the first place where jujitsu started to become conceptual. And we started mm -hmm. seeing like the ideas behind jujitsu form. And it, you, you brought this up earlier. The thing I love about that book is it almost is structured like a Maslow's hierarchy of needs, where it talks about first you survive, then you escape, then you focus on sweeping, then positional advancement, and then finally submission. And it's, it's kind of linked to the belt structure in that way. And I think that's such an important anchor for everyone to remember. At the end of the day, the purpose of jujitsu is if you want to talk about what it's for, why it was created, it's not to rack up points and win medals. It's not even really to get submissions. It's to survive. It's a self-defense mm -hmm. art. So if you are getting smashed on the bottom by someone, but you at the bare minimum, if you still have the composure to survive, you're still in a pretty good state and you got to give yourself some credit there. And I think people sometimes forget that foundation and they skip ahead and they're so focused on racking up points that they forget that ultimately the goal of jujitsu is self-preservation. And that should mm -hmm. always be much like how you talked about earlier in boxing. The most important thing in boxing is chin down, hands up, right? Anything else that you do, it's all going to be built around that base defensive structure that you're always supposed to have. And I think in jujitsu, it should be the same. The core of your game should be always be composed, always survive. Everything else on top of that is just window dressing, right? At least in my opinion. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, definitely. Awesome. And, and again, just to, just to kind of like to wrap it up because people are like, oh, you know, like I said, competition jujitsu is a fraction of what jujitsu is, you know? And jujitsu is for everybody, you know? Let's, uh, let's talk about like a guy that doesn't have an arm, for example. You know what I mean? He still can play jujitsu. He's going to do in his limitation, right? And, and I think that's what people need to understand, that you first teach jiu-jitsu as an educational matter for martial arts, you know, to get people to be martial artists, you know, to understand the romantic side, the efficient of things, and the end goal of jiu-jitsu, right? And in the process to achieve this end goal, now we get the fun stuff. We do no yeah. gi, we do MMA, we do competition, we play. Like, even people tell me, like, oh, this is not legal to do. I would say, what is not legal? Oh, ripping the leg of this. Who said that? Like, the IBJJF, as example, they're not, like, they are, of course, the most traditional federation. They're the one that's been doing tournaments and evolving and, and doing everything for so long. But there are things in jiu-jitsu nature that IBJJF banned for being something that it's a little more dangerous, right? Mm -hmm. I started jiu-jitsu, okay, in 1991. Let me tell you something. 
as a 10-year-old boy. One, guard pass was, was two points, not three, right? So I don't know if you ever knew that. Once upon a time, guard pass was two points. Do you know what was three points? I'm going to get, I actually have no idea, but I could guess. I would guess side control, but I don't know. <laughs> no, well, side control is guard pass. Good, yeah. good. Actually, you correct me because I tell people points should not be awarded. Well, anyway, but now we can criticize the rule. It's not about guard passing. I think it's about side control. I agree. It does not matter. I throw you on the ground. I do a takedown and I land your side control. That's two plus three. 100%. That's, should be. But anyway, knee on stomach was three points. Huh. When I started jiu-jitsu. Yeah. Can you believe that? You know how hard it is to put the knee in the stomach on somebody? <laughs> <laughs> that, that is interesting. I didn't know that, actually. I, yeah. I mean, by the time I started, the rules were pretty solidified, so I had no idea. All right, here we go. As a 10-year-old, do you know why people hook the leg when someone stand up on the triangle? I know the traditional reason why, but is there anything beyond that? Or Well, the, the angle and the slam. Yeah. You see that nobody hooks anymore because there's no more slam. So I, as a 10-year-old boy, could slam all the kids. Yeah. Can open it from the close guard. That's the first no-gi open guard that I learned. You grab the guy's neck, pull him to his chest, and you push down. That was my first no-gi. And guess how I learned footlock as a 10-year-old boy? <laughs> By sitting back down, ripping my foot, triangling my leg, and pushing on the leg. Now you can imagine how the leg is positioned. Yeah. All of this was legal. Nothing was illegal. But of course, with time, we figured out, okay, this may be a little more danger, but that's still jiu-jitsu. Yes. I teach footlocks original way and competition way. I just hope they remember how to make the distinction. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I think like when you teach jiu-jitsu only thinking about ruling, competition ruling, I think you're taking away a lot. You know, I think white belt should practice stuff because the worst thing about can happen is lack of knowledge. Yeah. All my students in the first month, they know footlock, they know what a heel hook is, they know what a cervical is, like a crucifix. They know all of it because I demonstrate on them. But then I say, look, but when we're grappling, we're grappling under sport rules and we would like this to be avoided because you, you may see yourself in a situation that you may use street jiu-jitsu you know you may rip someone you may you may actually be in an academy where someone is doing that against you you know mm -hmm. what i mean and i think that's what's important for us to always clarify people just make sure everyone keep their their minds open to the bigger brother of jiu-jitsu not just the the, the bjj that's consolidated as a rule system in competition. Yeah, I am completely with you there. I mean, of course, you need to know the rules you're playing by, but at the end of the day, some of those things like hooking the leg or the arm even when you're going for a triangle, I would consider fundamentally important mm -hmm. because of the risk of slams. I mean, I think that a lot of smaller people are probably overconfident in their triangles because they know that they are not legally allowed to be slammed. Whereas in reality, if you're going up against someone strong, that is a totally viable option. Oh, yeah. And it's, it's something that I think people just aren't used to training over. And you know what? Even if everyone agrees to the same rule set, I think it's always still a good idea to keep your guard up and to just make that a fundamental aspect of your jujitsu.
I remember one time I was sparring with a new white belt and I was just doing kind of standard jujitsu and I wasn't really worried about self-preservation. I put this guy in my guard. I put him in a cross choke and he punched me in the face <laughs> and, oh, wow. and he was, he was really sorry. He, he didn't mean to do it, but he was new to jujitsu and just, you know, he'd never been choked before in his life. And I put him in a choke and he just went into panic mode and he felt terrible mm -hmm. about it, but his instinct just took over because he hadn't trained before. And I, he felt bad, but I realized actually this is on me because I had gotten soft in my training. I had forgotten that that is an option. You know, if you're going to cross choke someone, their hands are still available and you've got to position yourself to take that option away from them. So yeah. I, even though it sucked in the moment, I actually learned a lot about it because I realized mm -hmm. oh, I've gotten kind of away from the, the roots of what this thing is all about. Yeah, for sure. So that's even a situation sometimes that can happen where you're just training and everyone agrees on the rules, but sometimes things just happen and it's always well, good. Well, look at DCC, look at DCC you can slam you can rip you can do everything right so mm -hmm. let's do ADCC jiu-jitsu let's <laughs> do IBJJF jiu-jitsu let's do you know street jiu-jitsu you know let's do it all yeah I think more diversity is always better when it comes to you know who you train with get training with new people all the time yeah, new styles yeah. the best thing you can do is just expose yourself to a little bit of everything right and also you know also know knowledge knowledge is key you know if you have knowledge it's just it's just a matter of choice yeah. Well, hey, on that note, Sean Jay, before we tie this up, any final thoughts on just pressure and concepts there? Just things that you think, man, if people listen to this and they take one thing away from it, what's the biggest and most valuable thing that they could learn to start applying pressure better? Forward intent and appropriate from people's soul. <laughs> that's usually <laughs> how it goes, you know, and also that's the that's the mean side you know but i like to say play essence to essence you know what i mean just connect with your opponent's essence and take control of it and uh stay forward you may be swept a few times you may be flipped a few times and maybe maybe even submitted a few times but once you get it the reward's great so just be patient yeah awesome well thank you so much sean jay if people want to follow you or check out your work how do they get it well just uh follow you know my instagram sean jay bear jj also my school in austin six blades bjj austin just come in and uh get some training and feel the pressure awesome i'll put the links to that in the show notes too so if anyone wants to check it out they can just click through thank there cool thank you brother thanks shanjay and of course to anyone who wants to support us premium is the best way to do it you can get bjj mental models premium at premium.bjjmentalmodels.com ton of awesome structured courseware series on there plus i'll review your rolling footage you get access to our awesome community there's a free trial so please do check it out premium.bjjmentalmodels.com Shanjay, thanks again, man. I greatly appreciate Thank it. You, brother. Love chatting with you. Good to get a get a hold of you. And I think this is going to help a lot of people. Thank you so much, man. Appreciate helping guys out. Awesome. And to all of the listeners, thanks to you too as well, of course. And we'll talk to you next week. Peace.